Hi, everyone, and welcome to the News Agent Podcast. I'm Susie Lysett, Good Lords Content Executive, and I'm here today with Matt Dilks, a Director at Christopher Shaw, to take a look at some of the things that have changed over the past 12 to 18 months in lettings uh, and to discuss how or if we think those changes will feature in the lettings industry in the long term. So hi, Matt. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Um, it's uh, it's good to catch up again after we spoke, obviously, quite a long time ago, kind of mid-COVID, I think. Much will have changed since since our last conversation. <laughs> but perhaps for those people out there that uh, that didn't get the chance to to dip into your blog uh, that's published on NewsAgent previously, perhaps if you want to uh, kick us off by giving a bit of an overview as to who Christopher Shaw are, you know, what it is that you do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, assuming um, there'll be people um, watching this from all around the country, we are a small independent lettings and sales uh, agency down in Bournemouth on the South Coast. And we are a smallish team that run a, I would say, fairly sizable portfolio of lettings properties and recently have expanded into sales. Um, We've always done sales, but in particular, my department has taken on sales since uh, March of this year. So it's been it's been a busy year. Um, Obviously, it's good to kick off and get back to being busy. This year has been very, very, very busy, and we'll obviously go into more detail as to why, I'm sure, shortly. But, yep, in in a nutshell, we're a small independent uh, business that's been around for about 15 years, and uh, we're run by nerds like myself who like tech, so that's why we're obviously on a good lord call today. That, that's good to hear. It's, um, you know, as you say, we're working with Good Lord. It makes sense. It makes sense. Um, well, perhaps just to um, just to start off, obviously, we've touched on it, so the fact that we did uh, we did discussed previously and the topic of our previous conversation um it, we did look at um the the role of content and uh, how uh, during the during the pandemic i do think that a lot of uh, agencies as well as businesses in all uh, in all industries they uh, found that content was key communication with landlords and so on it, it, it was key as it always has been but it perhaps became more prominent uh, in recent times you'd uh, created video content obviously you've got a, a blog and so on um I just wondered whether you could perhaps uh, touch on that. Tell us a bit about what it is that you've been up to uh, in that uh, in that capacity in the past few months. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going right back to the start when uh, obviously we were heading into the pandemic. I mean, prior to that, we used to hold landlord seminars. So we would host an event. We'd have nibbles and you know drinks and we'd get together with our landlords, whether they were our clients or prospective clients. And we would have a good evening and we'd invite a guest on and we'd, we'd obviously talk about various issues and compliance and things like that. And obviously we lost that ability. We had to cancel um, one of our events at the tail end of 2019 going into 2020. So we were kind of looking at ways to be able to still reach landlords in mass and to still do it in a way that was quite personable, um, you know, and, and feels like we're having a conversation with people because as good as blogs and newsletters are, they are a bit boring, um, you know, and it is hard maybe to get through, especially compliance emails and compliance blogs. You know, if you if you just don't grasp it, you just will log off quite quickly to that. So we thought video might be a better avenue and a more digestible content source for landlords to to listen and just kind of dip in and out and have it with a cup of tea. I'm a big fan of audiobooks. I'm not a big reader, but I do like to listen. So it's one of those things you can kind of have on while you're cooking or, you know, you're uh, say you're watching TV or whatever, and you can kind of digest it that way. So we we decided on on YouTube, we set up a YouTube channel. We already had a YouTube channel we weren't using. Um, so that was a great platform for us to go straight on and invite on guests. Obviously, we touched on last year, there was quite a lot going on. There was a lot of compliance changes going on last year, as well as regular news updates and COVID updates. So there was a lot of content that we were able to cherry pick from. Um, so we were able to get 
videos out in quite rapid fashion. Every week to two weeks, we were getting videos out at that point. Um, and, you know, the feedback was pretty good on them. You know, although, you know, we didn't have a call from every landlord saying we, we really enjoyed them. On the occasion, we would have a landlord saying, you know, that video was really, really good. And I think it was those little comments here and there that just spurred us on to, to keep that going. I think, uh, as you say, it is right, sort of keeping that personable approach as well as uh, obviously mm. communicating en masse when you can't meet people face to face in quite the same way. It is it is incredibly important to keep that up, uh, you know, so especially during uh, as the situation has been over the past few months. But I, I know from our previous conversation, it is obviously quite a, you know, a time consuming, uh, time consuming um, project to take on. Um, I mean, is that something that you feel that is something that that will continue into the long term? Is that something that you think will be necessary to continue into the long long term now that perhaps more face-to-face interactions are returning yeah yes maybe not to the extent it was last year I think we would like to revert to probably seeing people in person because there is no substitute for being able to kind of have a conversation on a one-on-one but I do think we will continue I think um as I say we had a lot of content last year but as as someone who is a content creator outside of this industry you know having the content to create is is important we don't want to just do video for video's sake because then i think it will become a bit uh a bit ignored but i think we will definitely use that when there is something topical to speak about um if we're unable to do a seminar or for, for whatever reason we probably will put out these informational videos but we, we won't we'll probably scale them back from just touching in to say we're okay because we did that a lot last year was just a monthly roundup we're all okay hope you're okay and it was just really reaching out to our customers but i think now it will be probably more on a basis of when there's relevant content or legislation or something like that, we would we would put some content out. We don't want to just pump out video for video's sake. It is there for a purpose. During the pandemic, there was more because we felt we weren't at the end of a phone call as easily. Maybe, you know, we're all working at home with our kids and stuff. So um, it was important for us to just check in one, you know, a couple of times a week, once a month, uh, even if there was nothing to say, just to say, hello, you know, we're still here. We're still operating the best we can. Um, whereas now I think the videos will go out only if there's relevant content or a relevant update, which we think is is easier to digest by video. Um, I think the next one we're lining up is uh, with the local uh, fire safety laws and with the local specialist on that. We're just trying to tie them down to a date and a time. Um, and then obviously things like Section 21, as things evolve with that, we'll probably, again, look to one of our industry specialists to come on with us and, and give some uh, some advice. No, that that makes sense. And as you say, I think last year there was definitely a lot of a lot of legislation that was coming out quite rapidly, whereas now it's died down yeah. to a certain extent, although there are some things on the horizon that will obviously be interesting to, to do these videos yes. and to uh, share content about. Um, no, well, or perhaps uh, staying on that uh, on the subject of videos, obviously, <laughs> you know, where there's uh, been a big transition over the past year to virtual viewings for, land, yeah. uh, for agents. Um I, 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 in my conversations with agents, I've heard differing opinions as to whether that's going to continue perhaps into the long term, whether that's something which has been beneficial in lettings, whether it is more something which is uh, perhaps uh, hit or could be here to stay in lettings. Yeah, I think I think more letting specific. Um, I think it's massive. I think video will definitely stay. I think um, it's used as a tool uh, as much to rule out maybe people's interest as rule them in um you know people can see a virtual tour see a viewing and rule out a property probably much quicker than they could if they were just looking at photos which obviously are presented very well but yeah we've had a lot of properties reserved just from video viewings 
more so than I probably would ever anticipated. But there is a lot of people reserving video without even seeing the property, which is not my preference. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I would prefer people to see a property before they uh, they take it. Um, or at least we will insist that they see the property very quickly after reserving it or as quick as possible. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a phenomenal use um, last year, this year. As I say, we're trying to revert back to insisting on on physical viewings just because it prevents problems down the line uh, when people move in. But um, but it seems people are struggling so much to reserve property that um, they're having to resort to to taking properties off the video to get their foot in the door, which is incredible this year. I mean, Bournemouth in particular, and uh, you know, the other areas of the country might not be like this, but Bournemouth has seen a massive influx of people coming to the area. I think the work from home kind of um, train is still still very much in place. Um, and I think, um, you know, people have got the option. Bournemouth is not that far from London. And we're finding a lot of people coming to the area from from various cities um, because obviously our, our cost of living is a lot cheaper down here, especially if you're still on those those um, city wages. So, yeah, there is a lot of people moving to the area using video for that tool. But there's also a lot of locals who are having to resort to using the videos as a viewing um, just out of necessity so they don't lose out. Um, as I can say, it's not not our preference. Before COVID, we would never let someone take a property without seeing it physically or at least having a friend or family member come on their behalf. But it, it kind of pushed us into that position during COVID and it, it has remained and people have now, I guess, accepted the fact that a video is as close to the real thing as they can get in certain cases where they can't get a viewing. Do you anticipate that level of demand continuing? I think it's driven by stock. I mean, you know, as a, I think every town in the UK experiences these rental stock shortages. We're no different. Um, we've always struggled with stock, but this year that's been exacerbated quite a lot. So I think while there is a shortage of stock, I think that will continue. And I can't see where the stock is going to come from to satisfy the level of demand that we've currently got. Um, you know, we we would normally... Um, you know, we would normally operate on having 15 to 20 properties advertised at any given time or various types, rooms, one beds, two beds, three beds, you know, and we've been operating with two to three a week, um, you know, at best lately. So the, the issue is the demand is driven by the severe lack of available property. Um, if we had 20 properties, we would be able to maybe see a trend of how quickly they went, you know, when you've got enough stock. But when you're currently dealing with running out of property, running out of property, Everything that comes on just goes in hours um, or minutes. You know, it can be that that crazy. Um, we, we The phone starts at nine o'clock in the morning. And by, you know, 10 o'clock, we've got 15 people wanting to view. Um, and some of those 15 may say, we'll just take it. So you, you can't sustain the level of stock that you need if, if it's that ferocious. Well, as soon as you pro- put a property live, it's just it's not sustainable. But um, but yeah, going back to your question, will it will it continue? Uh, I hope not. I hope not, because the the thing is, I think people kind of assume that it's great for us that, you know, stuff's going really quickly and it's going for high rents. But, you know, it's it's not that good for us because we have these feast and famine. We have two days of the week where the phones are absolutely crazy and melt down. And then we have three days of the week where we've let everything. And then there is, you know, there is not as much to do. Um, And that means there's no revenue coming on. It's better for us to have that slower pace where you can build up the stock and you can have enough variety for people to rent. That's true. I mean, it's an interesting perspective because, as you say, people anticipate that if the demand's there, then that just means that you can just keep letting, letting, uh, you know, on uh, as fast as possible. But if, uh, if there's yeah, nowhere for them to go, yeah, then yeah. obviously. Great. If, it, if, it was a, if it was a consumer product, like, you know, uh, suddenly there was a high demand for bread, well, you bake more bread. 
you know, I know it's a simple, you know, explanation because you probably run out of flour if there was that big demand. But essentially, in certain places, you just produce more goods. If there is a demand for something, the problem we've got is we cannot produce properties as quickly or or, or as many as we need. Uh, that's out of our control. And if I, I speak to a lot of local agents and they're all saying the same thing is, you know, we just can't find any stock anywhere. And if that's every agent, then the stock is so spread thin um, that, you know, I, I think at the minute we're all kind of wondering where the next you know, property is going to come from. Um, or do, do you anticipate that potentially um, uh, changing things in the landscape of, say, build to rent and any investment within that side of things? I realise that that wouldn't be a short term solution. It would be more looking to long term. But do you think that it could change and, and shift priorities in that respect and the amount of investment to, to create that housing supply? I think it has to. I, I think. Uh, and again, I'm using my own town as an example. I'm sure other towns will vary. But the problem is we're very land poor. So we're we're on the coast. And uh, we have the sea on one side and we have Greenbelt on the other. We have the new forest. You know, we're very limited. We have a finite amount of land. We don't have a lot of industrial land to convert or brown sites. We, we have uh, National Trust land, which you cannot touch, you know, at all. Um, so very little housing is built. There is very little social housing. We work with the local council to try and uh, to house people. But to be honest with you, we have a queue, you know, 20 people deep on each property of 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 everyone else so you know i think not only agents are experiencing a shortage in stock you have the local council experiencing a shortage of of available property and they're all looking for the same property they're all in the same pool of tenants looking so you know you you'll have people who are looking for social housing you'll have people looking for university accommodation you have uh, professional couples looking for their first place together um you know you have all these people relocating into the area and then don't forget we've had a massive year on landlords been able to shift their properties for sale because of the stamp duty relief so all of these properties have exited the market and they've not been replaced um our town in particular is seeing a lot of investment to high-end development high-end flats um probably aimed at people coming into the area for holiday homes and second homes and things like that very little in the way of of obviously housing that we actually need, which is affordable housing. With, with you having touched just on the, the stamp duty holiday, um, with you saying that that's perhaps exacerbated the situation further, you know, landlords are perhaps mm. selling up. It does that mean that um, that you haven't seen as many landlords coming back into into the uh, coming back into the market, taking advantage of the stamp duty uh, holiday? Yeah, I think I think some have probably sold to other landlords, but also we've seen a really big move to Airbnb. Uh, which is not not our speciality. It is something we've kind of looked at, but then quickly turned around and gone the other way. Um, but but that does seem to be very in vogue at the moment. And most of the times we put a flat on the market for sale, the the, the first question that comes up is, are, you know, are you allowed to do Airbnb in the property? Um, so again, if those short term high reward lets are coming onto the market, it takes another long term let away from the market, and people are having to to move out when a property's been sold. Um, you know, granted, they get four months currently under under the, the, the latest legislation, but there's just more and more properties are being taken out of the pool, um, you know, and that really hurts the lettings market. And I do think it's interesting how, uh, you know, it is sort of a, a build up of all of these different factors, which are perhaps uh, um, making it difficult to, yeah. uh, to to find a, a short term solution, because obviously it, it has been, a, you know, it's always a question, the, the question of the housing supply. But uh, mm. it's uh, how we can put things into place to to create a or find a longer term solution, I suppose, uh, that's yeah. a bit more sustainable. 
Um, I mean, obviously, one of the short term factors which has exacerbated things has been the the move to remote working. So I realise that uh, um, that you wouldn't necessarily have a global uh, perspective on how what all businesses will choose to do in the future. Um, but um, for agencies or for your, for yourself, uh, your, your agency in particular, is is remote working? Were there any lessons that you've learned from that? Anything that you'll uh, you'll continue um, uh, continue implementing or, or building upon um, in the future? Uh, lesson number one would be don't work when you have children at home. Uh, I think that would be my, my first tip to anyone. Uh, yeah, pets as well, I suspect, to, yeah, to that add to that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, I mean, we, we were very fortunate in so much that, as I mentioned at the beginning, we're all quite techie here. We're all geeks and nerds and, and we do like the technology. So we, we have a fully um, online system here. All of our phones are internet protocols. Um, all of our systems like good lord obviously you can remote log in from anywhere so we were very fortunate when the the initial decision to uh move to work from home was around i think it was was it march march april last year um we were able to simply unplug everything and plug it in at home um and carry on working the reality is working from home in particular for me was i would definitely prefer to be in the office there's too many distractions and you know when you've got my office was my dining room, my dining room, my kids are in, they're doing their homework, obviously, because they were off school. So it was it was a tough experience from that respect. But from a business operation, we were able to be very fluid and move very quickly to work from home and equally come back to work very quickly. You know, with one phone call, the team was organized and the next day we were back to work. All the phones were plugged in back at the office. We all work from laptops here. So again, we were able to just take them home and bring them back in. So you know, we we do touch a lot of wood here, and we do we do consider ourselves very fortunate that we were able to minimise the impact. Obviously, an agency, the one thing you cannot control is there will be a need for someone to be in the office to release keys. So that was a big you know issue for us, where we had to keep shooting into the office to give keys to contractors, you know, plumbers, electricians. Um, and things like that or we'd have to nominate someone to be in the office for a couple of hours each morning um, just to make sure that they were going out but on the whole we were very fortunate no it certainly sounds like you had uh, the right uh, systems the right processes in place in order to to help it be smooth uh, despite uh, you know distractions from from children and uh, and things that may occur uh, at home um w- within that then i mean with remote working um, i know that obviously uh, it's perhaps pushed tenants to to look elsewhere outside london uh, for example or outside big cities i should perhaps say um do you think that the did you, have you seen a particular shift in terms of what tenants require in the homes that they're searching for as well um and it, and if so do you think that that would be something that will continue, you know, sort of whether it is you know, the Wi-Fi situation or whether it's bigger garden and, and so on? Yeah, I mean, certainly the properties you put on which have those features um, are always extra popular, whether you say garden, balcony, um, you know, an extra little uh, room, whether it's a study or uh, a big area within the communal space, which can accommodate a desk and, and things like that. Those are things that I think people are definitely looking for. Um, and what that has done, obviously, with the, that coupled with the shortage of stock has driven rental prices, you know, through the roof. Um, but, you know, those people coming from out of area, which are on very substantial salaries, that for them is not a big consideration. But it's obviously having a knock on effect to the local market, which are on less you know, impressive salaries, you know, more modest to Bournemouth, which uh, which is which is known to be fairly modest, um, is making them really struggle to actually afford their their homes. But yeah, in a nutshell to your question, absolutely. People are prioritizing those features, whereas before 
you know, it would have been if, you know, as long as it's got a double bedroom or, you know, a a decent sized lounge. But now those little extras um, are definitely coming at, at, uh, at a premium. And in terms of perhaps advising your landlords um, on that side of things, is that something that you developed and um, you, you've uh, uh, landlords are perhaps more aware of the fact that they need to put these things forward or perhaps invest in certain aspects more than they were in the, in the past? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, we always like to think that we're a pretty honest, um, you know, bunch of people. We're not we're not kind of a hard sell agency. We like to have really frank conversations with people. And, uh, you know, it's. It's, I always like to say, you know, it is a business. Being a landlord is a business and there will be certain points like any business you need to reinvest, um, you know, and, and it's not dead money. You know, I think I think some landlords maybe been in the industry for such a long time now, they get a bit jaded to uh, investing in a property because they feel, that, you know, it's just not going to be looked after or respected and things like that. But I think I think certainly with the work from home market, the more you can do to make a home feel like a home and homely and nice and you know safe uh, and all of those things we are in a rental generation now and i think people will pay for quality um you know and i think they are more uh they are more aware of living standards and safety standards and you you know you can't get away with you know not reinvesting in your property you will come unstuck and certainly that backs back into things like giving notices and section 21s and section 8s if you haven't got your your house in order then um you're going to come unstuck very very quickly because the law very much sides with you know uh, tenants and and making sure that you've done everything compliant as a landlord so I'm all for for landlords reinvesting. I've got some great landlords who spend, you know, a lot of money every time a a tenancy is renewed, you know, they're going in and and improving features and things. But I think there's still a long way to go. I think a lot more um, improvements can be made in homes across the UK to make rental properties, you know, really attractive and an attractive option. No, I think that hearing you obviously list all of the different uh, aspects which come into question when you're looking at renting out property, it's a, um, you, you know, it's there are obviously a lot of little bits and nitty gritty things that you have to that you have to think about. I mean, do you think therefore that agents are becoming more important to landlords? Do you think that their value is being perceived uh, more readily by landlords now? I think so. I mean, I think agents have always been important to landlords. I think the problem is the perception of our industry as a whole is is terrible. Uh, you know, it's it's. Uh, I've not always been in this career. I was in retail before I came into agency and and um I was amazed at the maybe naively at the at the poor reputation that the industry has when actually on 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 whole from all of the the different agencies and business owners that I meet they're all really conscientious and 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 you know caring about their business people and they want to provide a very good service and they're all very professional but I'm guessing you know the the few spoil it for the many as always but um I think we've always been a great tool for for landlords um but I think in particular now we do find that a lot of you know landlords we call tenant find landlords or you know uh, finders only is you know they haven't updated their contracts in 10 years um, you know, they just copy paste the tenants names and, and, you know, change the date and away they go. But it's, you know, I think they would be shocked if we were to do an audit on, you know, their compliance and their contracts. It probably would all be chronically out of date. And this all comes up when obviously a problem occurs where you're obviously got either a tenant that's in arrears or you need to evict a tenant. And um, if you get it wrong, obviously you can come unstuck very quickly. Talking about sort of touching on reputation, do you think that the past uh, you know eighteen months or so, the fact that uh, most the majority of agents that I speak with, they're obviously putting a lot of effort into content communicating and so on. Do you think that that will have will have helped the situation? In fact, over the past few months, so do you think I that reputation so. is uh, building? You know, my biggest frustration is national press. I think the problem is until people start celebrating the good work that the industry does, um, then 
the reputation will never change because if an agent is shouting how good they are, then it's 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 self-servicing, isn't it? So the the problem is if we say we're really good, we do this, we do that, that's going to just be, come across as a sales tactic. What we need is at a national level, a news, either a newspaper or from a government level to highlight how difficult the job is and how well the vast majority of agents do it and how many laws that they have to make sure that their landlord is is being covered by. We obviously have Arla in our industry who are that supposed to be that sort of body, but I still get frustrated at how people don't really know the benefits of using an Arla agent, despite you know you telling people that should be the first thing people ask. If it's that important and it's that credible, then that should be a massive thing. We've been you know with Arla since 2018. Um, and yeah, I'd never get asked a question. I, I think that over the past year or so, there's definitely been a huge amount of, of changes. Some of them short term but I do think yeah. that they'll have perhaps a longer term impact um, one of them let's touch on perhaps one of the most recent ones um, which would be the um, the right to rent and uh, you know sort of the temporary uh, COVID adjusted checks which have been in place um, this has uh, now just been uh, uh, it's just been announced obviously that's been extended that period of time where the the, the, um, the temporary checks can take place has been extended until April next year um, and now they're discussing the idea of bringing in fully digital checks potentially for for all nationalities i mean what what are your thoughts on on that and uh that uh yeah that is a concept well, that is the future from a convenience point of view the digital checks would be brilliant obviously it's less less physical work for us to do and it's something that can be done remotely or potentially with someone like yourselves um uh although it's only recent it's been extended recently we've gone back to physical checks when we release keys um well pretty much this whole year um since we've been back in the office since um christmas we we've pretty much reverted because again we have to physically give a key out anyway um so we may as well take their id and witness it while they're here um so we we've reverted to doing that um in extreme circumstances where a tenant is not actually physically maybe in the country to start the tenancy when the tenancy starts then it's it's a useful tool but but most of the time, I would say 99% of the time, the tenant's going to walk through our doors to get their key to move in anyway. So we, we still take their identification. And obviously, most recently, the share code that's that's been launched, um, which is it took a little bit of adjustment. But actually, it's, it seems to be quite a quite a good little tool. Yeah, that's true. And obviously, um, the, the, the share code in part came about due to due to Brexit. Just wondering whether you had whether you'd uh, seen any any difference in in demand in supply either from you know for demand from tenants uh, supply from from landlords whether brexit you you've seen any impact from that or whether it's all been perhaps covered up a little bit by uh, by the pandemic and uh... i think probably has I, I you know i would say as a coastal town on the south coast in particular we would rely a lot on international tenants coming in i think the problem is in the last couple of years uh, certainly our language school market has taken a real hit um, and we found a lot of language schools either really struggling to stay open or they have very little students. So that used to be quite a big market where you'd have uh, potentially landlords renting out spare bedrooms and things like that. I certainly used to do it all those years ago before we had children. Uh, that market doesn't seem to be talked about at all um, anymore. So I, I think probably the, the the EU letting market has slowed down a bit but maybe now as we've we've kind of cleared up what the restrictions are and the you know the freedom of movement all that sort of thing and the share codes is it will encourage people to to come in again because there's certainly plenty of work um for people um on the south coast in particular hospitality that's now kind of waking up again there's a big shortage of staff um we're even from our referencing point of view we can see where people are applying for jobs and things um it seems like there's a mass recruitment drive down here on the south coast again
No, it's true. It is obviously uh, relatively new, all of the changes that have come in. So hopefully hopefully uh, the demand there and uh, movement will pick up again a little bit. Um, uh, but, well, one of the other pieces of legislation which has uh, uh, had quite an impact, I, I believe, is, uh, well, the, the evictions ban sort of on and off um, notice periods and obviously the changes to, to those. Um, and then looking ahead, I suppose, towards the renters' re- reform bill where, um, you know, sort of Section 21, Section 8 and so on will, will also uh, um, have, have an impact um, in a similar area. I mean, what, what, what are your thoughts on that, perhaps? Perhaps uh, looking at the long-term impact um, that you, any long-term impact you may think uh, uh, that may occur around the the evictions ban and uh, the extended notice periods in recent times. Yeah, it's it's difficult to tell because it seems like um, when something is mentioned on it, it's very quickly mentioned that it's nowhere near to being in in policy yet, it's still being discussed. So it's we've tried not to advise too much on it while everything's a moving goalpost. But obviously, we've been dealing with firstly the six months notice extension um, at the height of the pandemic, now reduced to four months and I think shortly reduced to three if I'm not mistaken but basically we'll be dealing with elongated um, notice periods for no fault evictions um, and yeah, you know for most of the, most landlords don't want to evict their tenants you know they don't if they've got good tenants in there for most people this would not be a, a problem at all it's obviously been probably more frustrating for landlords that have had problem um, tenants or, or problems with rent arrears and um, you know, they've been unable to come to uh, to a resolution on that, that they have to wait such a long time to potentially get their property back and then potentially go further than the four months notice to then have to go to court. So it's yeah, it's it's been it's been very limited. We've been very fortunate that we've barely served any. Um, and the ones we have done have been for genuine reasons. Either landlord is selling the property um, and the buyer obviously wants the property to live in. Um and a very small kind of ratio of ones where that we've had obviously um, either bad behaviour on the tenancy or or rent arrears and things like that. But um, yeah, it's hard to know where it'll go. I think I think most people are scared when they were told that when the changes come in, they won't be able to get possession of their property back. And I think that scared a few people. But it probably was a bit of a knee jerk comment. I, I think there will just like you said. I think the word is reform. I think it, there will still be the ability to get your property back, but it will be a different method to the one that we currently use. So it is obviously a little bit the unknown at the moment until uh, the autumn when when the uh, a bit more detail will hopefully come out about about exactly how these these things will be implemented going into the future. Yeah. Um, well, I, I've obviously, um, you know, been been asking questions and sort of um, uh, pointing, uh, you know, uh, pushing forward that conversation. But obviously, I know that um, that you you uh, you're on the ground and you're speaking with lots of landlords and so on. Uh, you've obviously been implementing things over the past year. I mean, is there anything in particular that you've implemented at your agency that you've seen at your agency that has been particularly uh, positive? Something that you've uh, grasped and sort of now you're you're thinking that you'll be able to uh, continue it in the long term. Any particular trends that we that we have touched upon perhaps um i we can actually go further back because i think we were actually well positioned when the fee ban came in i think the biggest change to our business wasn't covid the biggest change to our business was when the tenant fee ban came in in 2018 um uh, or 2019 sorry um but that that was the biggest change for us we had to look at every single procedure that the business had every single pain point and we had to basically allow our operation to run as lean as possible and i think most agencies will relate with that is you know used to have 
a comfortable level of staffing. You you know you wouldn't have to. You could basically stand back and, and manage and, and oversee the business. But I would see most probably directors or managers are are very much a part of the day to day running of the business. And and that was again part of our strategy for for being able to run lean. Is is you know the the, the people who run the company are also here answering the phones and signing out keys and you know dealing with with day to day issues. But that was a necessity of the fee band because such a hole was created in our revenue overnight. So I think we had a lot of preparation for that, such as moving to Good Lord, um, which was prior to that, but obviously certainly helped. Um, obviously, going completely um, digital on on a lot of our processes, whether it's maintenance reporting, um, again using the best technology, the quickest and easiest way to re- report and deal with maintenance. Um, you know, we had to look at all of that. So I think naturally, as the pandemic came in, we were we were well placed. But I'm sure there were a lot of other agents who maybe are maybe a bit more old fashioned in their ways. You know, still dealing with uh, I don't know uh, standard telephones that you can't unplug and put in somewhere else. Um, old bulky desktop PCs, things like that. As I say, moving to laptops, we're able to, to move very fluid. Um, and um, yeah, we were well-placed to do that. I think um, moving forward, I would like to see being able to get some more staff would be nice. Um, but again, running lean is it seems to be the best survival tool. But that does mean that the staff you have are even more important to the business. And when those staff do go off for whether it's self-isolation or, or, or anything like that, you really do feel it because your numbers are very, very trim. So I, I would like to see the the market pick up to the point where you felt comfortable recruiting and adding people in uh, customer facing positions. Um, but as a business in terms of the operation, I think we have done all the hard work in the last couple of years because of necessity. No, it it does seem that uh, that the tenant fee ban actually it was almost a good thing that it came about when it did, in as much as it helped you prepare for a, for a, for another shock to the system. Um, the, even yeah, though it, this is the second one was perhaps exactly the second one was perhaps less expected. There was less of a build up yeah. to it, but uh, but it sounded like you were ready and prepared to to react to it in the right way. So as best as we could yeah. be, yeah, as best as we could be. We're, as I say, we're very fortunate that we've we've been able to to kind of drive on and. You know, without kind of going into to all the gory detail, looking at our figures comparable over 2019, 20 and 21, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty steady. Um, the, the expected dip is you you would expect, obviously, when we were unable to do viewings and things like that. But but on the whole, we've managed to mitigate that loss by using these systems and, and being able to adapt and move quite quickly. So I, I think, you know, we we did the hard work before we needed to do the hard work and it's, it's worked in our favour. Well, um, I, I think that throughout the course of our conversation, then there are obviously positive, uh, positive things to to take from it, as well as perhaps some things which uh, which uh, which could be cause issues in the in the future. Looking at say, uh, you know, the, the question of stock and uh, supply within the housing market. I mean, overall, if you were to take a global perspective, would you say that you have an overall positive view for the for the future of the industry, or negative, or somewhere in between? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, these are all these problems won't be here forever. Um, you know, we are we are letting stuff as quickly as we get it. I think the sales market has cooled maybe a little bit, but that could be a bit of um, end of half term kind of uh, uh, kind of cool off, which we'd expect. Um, it'd be interesting to see when the kids go back if the market kind of comes back a little bit on the sales side. Obviously, Bournemouth deals a lot in flats as opposed to houses, in particular our market, which is town centre, um, and I think the flat market in particular maybe is is cooled off a bit. But on the whole, it's it's been it's it's been really good. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I would say I'm overall positive. I think it's just solving this stock dilemma. 
Um, there is a demand for it. And if there is a demand that has to be seen as positive, but it's how do we satisfy that demand? No, that's that's very true. And I do think uh, it, that we'd probably need a bit longer <laughs> to record this podcast in order to, to find a solution for that. So there has to be something at a national level to kind of try and unlock a potential solution there. But, um, you know, if we find one, then obviously we'll be able to to react to it. Exactly. And when we find that, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do another podcast yes. and uh, another blog and we'll be able to discuss <laughs> that in more detail. I'll be too busy. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, that's brilliant then, Matt. Well, thank you ever so much for, for speaking with me today and uh, joining You're me on this welcome. podcast. Yeah, thank you so much, Susie.